Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Uh, today we're joined again by Joe Stillwell. How's it going, Joe? Good, how are you guys? Uh, doing pretty well. I'm recovering from a cold, but other than that, pretty good. Um, today we're talking about uh, railroading and player agency and how those are related. So, yeah. uh, so right off the bat, let's set out what what do you mean by railroading so when you when you're talking about railroading what is, exactly are you talking about well i i think specifically um railroading is essentially a scene like sort of generally referred to when a dm sort of makes the players do something that they want them to do instead of like do what the players want to do and it's i think generally like i i, I was saying railroading is sort of this word that gets thrown around a lot in senses that it's not that it's not always really railroading. I think what it comes down to is, are you making it harder for the players to, the players and their characters to affect the world that they're playing in or the campaign or whatever? And uh, what I would call that is like player and character agency. So in essence, I think real railroading is where you're, you're taking away the player and their character's ability to affect the world and make changes and make choices that, change that change the way they they that the world operates and affects and and reacts to them yeah what i what i hear a lot or read rather a lot online when people are complaining about oh my dm is railroading us and stuff like that is it feels like sometimes it is valid they're you know they're dealing with a dm that isn't letting them do much of anything the dm is would be better off writing a book or a short story rather than running a game but it does feel that sometimes when players complain about railroading it's they're actually dealing with consequences of their previous actions rather than railroading like oh we wanted to kill this person and get away with it but then we were caught it's like yeah that's kind of what happens sometimes yeah and uh and i think that sort of like goes to the point of like there is player player and character agency which is basically the player's ability to affect the world and the world reacting to them is the structure so essentially if you think about it like when a player, the like D and D's whole thing that everyone talks about is like, well, D and D is great because you can do anything in the sense of like you can't literally do anything. Like if you're a level one character, you can't cast a level nine spell, but you can choose what le- what first level spells and cantrips you can cast, and that's the structure versus the player agency. And those are sort of terms I've borrowed from both like literature and sociology in the sense of like agency is a person's ability to interact with their world and make changes to it. And structure is sort of the thing that, that either prevents them from doing whatever they want or reacts when they make changes. So if you think about it, the player's choices that they make are the agency and the game's rules and re- and sort of like the, the world that the DM has built is the structure. And it's really the, the, the best stuff is where those two collide and cause conflict or contradiction, whatever you want to call it. Um, so what we see a lot is like, I think the, the famous horror story is always like, well, the DM put me in a prison and I just sat there the whole session and didn't do anything. And there is a particular aversion in D&D to being imprisoned. I think that's sort of like the classic 
DM railroading story in, in a certain way, because it is true. If you just put a character in a prison cell and there's no like jailer to interact with or other prisoners, that is definitely taking away their agency as much as possible. Yeah. And when, you know, when the player tries to come up with ways of like, oh, well, I, can I, is there anything on the ground? Like, can I find a bone or a twig or something? Maybe pick the lock. And then DM just says, no, I think that's when that's the bad kind of railroading. Yeah. Whenever a player tries to do something, the answer is no, or it doesn't work, or you've got a roll, but the DC is like 40 or yeah. something like that. That's, that's the bad kind of railroading. Yeah. Where the, the DMs not rewarding players for creativity or like yeah. trying to actively engage with their situation. Yeah. So what about the, the other side? When is there a way to rail, railroad players in a way that is good Either for well, not not so much for the story because bad railroading, good railroading is usually the DM trying to say I'm trying to tell a story here, but railroading that is invisible or the players even if they notice it they don't really care. Like, is there a way to do that kind of railroading? Yeah, and I think that's a big part of it too is understanding what your players view as railroading and also bad experiences they might have had in the past or um, you know just individual like if their character is sort of has already been in prison. And putting them in prison is sort of like a big negative thing. They might view that as railroading. And it is very much about whether your players trust you or not to do that in a lot of ways. And that's the big thing is like, I think the best way is always to start small. Uh, Say, for example, you go to a fancy party with a bunch of nobles and you make the fighter surrender their sword or their weapon, whatever the case may be. If the fighter does that, if the player decides to let the fighter do that and they go to the party, then you say, okay, well, how can I sort of reward this difficulty and make it more interesting or fun for him to play? And one of the ways you could do that is like, I I love Jackie Chan movies. So you could have either a bunch of stuff around that's shaped like swords that isn't a sword, like, you know, like a plunger or, you know, even like a ceremonial sword worn by the nobles that isn't sharp. So it doesn't do as much damage, but it might do something funny like stun an NPC if they get hit with it or, you know, anything like if the player is like, oh, well, is there anything on the walls? And you're like, yeah, there's like a big, uh, long banner. And he's like, "Okay, well, I pull the banner down and start fighting with that like a lasso. Yeah, like something that still lets them use their class abilities. Like in the case of the fighter, like if you've got somebody who's taken the like the battle master or the one that has the superiority dice like they can still do stuff like parry and riposte and stuff like that because they've got a weapon they're not having to run away from the guards or something like that. exactly and what you're going to do is you're going to show that player well you you gave up a bit of your character's agency but i rewarded you by giving you something else that you could do in return you had a different kind of agency that maybe isn't the normal kind you always have with your you know your plus one vorpal sword or whatever but you have a way, we made it more fun. And that's the most important thing too, is I think when the players see that it'll, it'll make for interesting stories and fun experiences at the table, that's a really big way to show them. And then you can work up from there. Like you can do, you know, after that, they, the next step is like, oh, well, that was good. So next time I am going to, you know, maybe the fighter ends up being like ca- captured or like say they get taken out in combat and they go down to zero and they, they succeed on their saving throws, but the rest of their party runs away and they're trapped behind enemy lines, then they're still going to trust you more because they know that last time they they let you sort of put them in that situation. Now you can sort of go forward and be like, okay, well, what about this? Say you get captured, but uh, the general of the bad guy's army wants you to train his men. 
and you see a way to sort of foment a rebellion and and take over from these guys. So that's that's a possible thing you can do, right? Yeah. I feel like with the the first example of like having to go to a, a, a ball or a big ceremony or something where you have to give up weapons is that feels like that's the kind of thing that you definitely have to plan for. You can't just say, oh, I'll take the fighters' weapons away and there'll be stuff there that they can use. You actually have to put some thought into it and think like, okay, there's going to be this, 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 and this that they can do. And there's these these ways that the other char- 